Colectivo Raíces presenta su programa Espejos de Aztlán Información, Arte, Cultura Bienvenidos With Grammy nominee Magos Herrera, singer, songwriter, producer, and educator. She is well known for her vocal improvisation and her singular style, which embraces contemporary jazz with Latin American rhythms. She sings in Spanish, English, and Portuguese. She's also well known for defending women's causes and gender equality. Born in Mexico City and currently based out of New York City, Magos Herrera is an advisor for the Mexican government Cultural Diplomatic Council. We are also with Paula Prestini, is a composer of classical music. In 2011, she was named one of the top 100 young composers in the world by National Public Radio. Her compositions have been commissioned and performed at the Brooklyn Academy of Music, Cannes Film Festival, Carnegie Hall, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Kennedy Center, among others. She's also an activist, the co-founder and artistic director of the Brooklyn-based arts institution National Sodast. And as part of her commitment to the next generation and equity, she started the Hildegard competition for emerging female trans and non-binary composers. Just to highlight some things. Uh, so welcome uh, to our show today, Magos Herrera and Paula Prestini. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you so much for the invitation, Cristina. We're happy to be here. So happy. Me too. And I'm very happy to, to share your experience and this work that actually came to my desk through, through the library. And actually, I was mesmerized exploring it. And that's why I was uh, pursuing you, actually. <laughs> so I... First of all, I want to congratulate you for your courage to go like beyond the boundaries that usually we see in the in in some art scenarios and some musical scenarios. But we want to highlight especially this project, Con Alma. We are in these special challenging times. Are we losing our souls in these challenging times, or is this an opportunity to deepen ourselves in our souls? What was the inspiration of your project? Such a beautiful way to frame that. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I, I think for both of us, it's been such a opportunity to deepen our friendship, which is really the, the source of inspiration, if you will, for the exploration. Um, but also to do what I think artists do best, which is to take the challenges and to either reflect them or to find a way forward. And I think in this case, we managed to do both. And that is, to me, one of the, the things that I love the most when reflecting reflecting on Con Alma. I think it also um, opened, during the making, I think it also opened a window for an inner search to ask and answer these questions that we're experiencing during isolation and prioritizing what is essential and truthful. So to me, I mean, I think for me, at least this particular project, it's before and after thing in my career, artistically and personally. What's the purpose? Of, of being an artist? What's the purpose of, of reaching out to the community? What's the purpose of, of 
saying whatever you have to say to say and put it out there in you know in whatever circumstance and obviously in the circumstance that we're living um, it makes even more sense but to me it's been a very transformative project not only artistically but also yeah redefining the purpose of being being an artist you have been working uh, in this uh, global confinement and, and this unique experience as uh, human beings <laughs> In the work, um, there is this focus that is most of the time, like the first part we can hear is from voices. And it looks that you highlighted that most than any other thing in, in, the, in the project, in this Conalma. Why are the voices chosen in this project more than any other thing? Well, I mean, I think that the voices, um, the inspiration between Magos and I, obviously Magos is not only an extraordinary writer, but an extraordinary vocalist. And so highlighting the human voice was essential, I think, in this process, because one, it's what connects the two of us. But also, you know, we were trying to find, I think, Magos, you said it so beautifully, how to find communion in moments of isolation. And so for us, it was about highlighting the plurality, um, not to say that everyone's experiencing this the same way. And we're not trying to say that, but that there is this unique moment in time where we are all experiencing something that is once in a century, hopefully once in a lifetime, together. And so pretty early on, we knew that we were going to be looking for incredible bards throughout time, you know, so Alfonsina Storni, which Magos brought to my attention, um, Maria Popova, um, just beautiful writers, uh, Rachel Carson, the incredible environmentalist and writer. And then we knew that we would be kind of writing for different forces. So I would be writing for Magos and different choirs, and then Magos would be writing for an incredible cohort of brilliant musicians and that this would form if you will a back and forth a dialogue upon itself in the music in your case uh, magos every time i i don't even need to to know who is the voice that when i'm hearing your voice is magos <laughs> Yeah. What was for you as experience to think in this project? From the vocal aspect, as we as we're talking, I mean, I know Paula's writing. She's known. She's very well known, exactly for for her choral work, for her vocal work. Besides my tunes, my my pieces that you know, I just embrace them as mine. What if if. I mean, either if they're mine or if there are other people, other writers, and I uh, reinterpreted them. I think for me, it was a challenging uh, process to not, um, how would I, would I put it? I mean, first of all, because we have all these technical things that we had to deal with. I was recording in a closet in San Miguel de Allende, <laughs> uh, in my home studio. I was going there. I wanted to know, how did you record all this? Everyone in the in Everybody in their <laughs> home studios and iPhones and different settings. Yes. Yes. That, was, that was already challenging. But, um, <laughs> But I think, you know, for me, it was, Paula's writing is very delicate and it's, and it's very profound. So it has a lot of layers, emotional layers, especially these pieces somehow are very contemporary, but they are also, they are timeless. So to me, it was a challenge to add my voice, which 
has a very particular color that works great with strings, you know, with in, in different, but it, it, it was, you know, my first time like really navigating without having Paula with me saying, you know, Magos, why, you know? So it was like for me to understand how would be a nice way to, to add to the narrative without stepping on Paula's arrangement, adding my own thing, you know, my own way to, mm-hmm. to approach music and to navigate within, within the ideas harmonically and mel- melodically. And sometimes it was just, you know, like, clink, just this little <laughs> thing. And otherwise it was just to bring all the force of whatever that represents. So it was beautiful. And I think, I mean, over, if I, I actually had a chance to listen to the, to the album a week ago, you know, after all the castle in December, what I love about that, one of the things that I love about the album is that the narrative from my tunes to Paola's pieces with the, it's like, it's very cinematographic or cinematic, you know, like yeah. there, it's very deep and very, um, it's the sound of isolation, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it really manifests, I think it really manifests the, the emotional state that we were uh, experiencing throughout the last year. For sure. And Magos and I like to call it that it's an artifact of our time. And so like if you take, for example, one of the choral pieces, which is, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's interesting because it's it's about finding ourselves in March with not one pandemic, but many pandemics. And how do you deal with that? And so all of a sudden it's called uh, Alma Muerta, which is the Alfonsina Storni. But the beginning, the choir actually that was um, in Germany found all these headlines and so they actually contributed to the writing and so it was this incredible moment of you know people in Leipzig people in Amsterdam Magos in Mexico myself in you know in in New York all of us experiencing something and contributing so you were able to do something that connected globally like a global community as as far as can say from I I listened this morning the whole album just again because this (laughs) (laughs) again and like um like if it were a whole tale a whole story and um i was thinking about all these voices coming throughout just like one platform one all like if it were one scenario and who were all these musicians that were around i think it were we were you were involved in three subcontinents or three continents i'm not sure Um, yes how was that work who were these people who were contributing to this uh, work? Well, we had the choir. So we had a children's choir in New York City. We had another choir um, based in New York. And then we had um, a choir based in Leipzig, Germany. So those were the choirs uh, that, you know, worked in addition to Magos singing in them. And then Magos, do you want to talk about the rest? Sure. So uh, for my my pieces, for different reasons, I wanted to I wanted to work with different uh, lineups. So I had the opportunity to collaborate with Orquesta Sinfonica de Minería, which is a, a beautiful, my favorite orchestra in Mexico. And, um, and it was a, a, a tricky question, you know, because they were all isolated. So they said yes, and it turned out to be beautiful. And uh, so but it was like, like, a, like a reduced, almost like a chamber uh, line chamber orchestra kind of thing from uh, Orquesta de Mineria which was also a first exploration from them as well and then with this incredible soloists that I love that um that represents some of my favorite musicians, you know, Jeff Segler for, uh, from New York, which we collaborated before. 
and the cello, and then Kinan Asmet, which he's based in New York, but he was, when we recorded, he was in Paris. Gonzalo Grau, which used to be a New York-based uh, musician and is living in Madrid these days. Uh, Diego Esquisi from Argentina, both Gonzalo and Diego Esquisi, uh, collaborators from my previous album, Dreamers with Brooklyn Writer. Uh, Romero Lubambo. And Romero Lubambo, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, it's been two weeks of, of holiday, so I'm like... Yeah. Um, Good for you. Uh, <laughs> you are blacked. <laughs> Romero Lubambo, one of my favorite guitar players, with no doubt, Brazilian, but he's, he's a New York-based uh, guitar, guitar, guitarist. And, and Vinicius Gomez, which is also a beautiful acoustic guitar, guitar player uh, from Brazil as well. So you see the melding of all these worlds, you know, from the jazz greats to the new music greats to someone like Kinan who plays in Silk Road to choirs. I mean, it's our, what it is, it is, is it reflects our community. So that's what's exciting. What I was reading in the press about your project, um, they are like all, some of them, we were highlighting the fact that uh, even in your own careers beyond this project, there is always this highlighting thing that they, you are like crossing the boundaries, going beyond the boundaries. And every time I read that, I wonder what are the boundaries that some people are thinking of? <laughs> I asked myself, the you know, same. we are in New Mexico, and Thank the first you. thing that comes are these frontiers that is like, oh, everything is coming from Mexico. It, you know, <laughs> it's like uh, we have it's to think about the boundaries. And I, I don't, well, I, where are the boundaries? <laughs> it's great. It's great that you're putting it in that way because, you know, boundaries are, are it's an idea. Yeah. It's an idea. So it could be, you know, like a, a border between Mexico and the United States or, <laughs> A, a border between jazz and new music or I think I mean I, I don't know for Paola but I'm sure it is because I mean all her vision as an artist and whatever she created around her resonates with with that and it's the idea of um, I think when when you are so passionate and when you love music or whatever whatever expression artistic expression it really goes beyond a definition is the need of storytelling basically um, well, and it's also about people you know so I mean I think that you know musicians collaborate um, is the oldest story in the book, you know, and each right. bringing their own expertise and their own ways of looking at sound. And so then you end up with something new. But for us, it's not like, ooh, we're going to create something and it's going to be <laughs> cross-stylistic. I mean, and it's also, you know, it's not our job to describe it. You know, it's our job to do it. Um, but yeah, I often ask myself that question. Like, what if what if we just forgot about the boundaries? But, uh, you know, I think we're a long way away from forgetting about the boundaries because the way music has been constructed has these guys guidelines, you know, and has these listening guidelines. And I mean, I look forward to a day when it's not like that. Yeah. Well, I was happy because I could find you because now uh, we have like a digital library on which we are not having shed. And okay. so <laughs> nice, nice. So I was browsing everything and all of the sudden your work came out and it wasn't with any kind of labor. So oh, uh, fortunately, the digital thing is helping to that, but it's also a cultural issue around all these yeah. boundaries. At the beginning, I was introducing so shortly your your career, and you're both working also for equality, gender equality. What is, is there anything in your project that highlights that? I mean, I think just by the nature of being two, um, you know, women working in the field, there's, there is um, something about it 
but I don't think that for this project, um, there was a gender equity bent. I think that if I may, for this project, a huge part of it was um, when you make music, it's a, it's a two-way dance, right? You're, you're creating it and someone's receiving it. And in this instance that we find ourselves in, we're missing our audience, right? We're creating in these bubbles and we're, we're missing that, um, the magic that happens, you know, when someone's listening. And so for us, what ended up happening with these um, social media campaigns is that there was a reimagination of the social media sphere and how to involve the audience voice in a way where the audience could find themselves in the project, see themselves, hear themselves in it, and therefore feel heard. And I think there is an activism in that, um, in this idea of reimagining um, this kind of space, finding communion, making sure that the everyday voice is not only um, listened to, but revered. And so that, that to me is the, the real kind of activism that I find in this project. But I think you could say that, you know, two female identifying creators creating a moment, creating in a moment that's so complex and engaging so many different artists and paying so many different artists and finding a way to make it happen is also a subversive thing. And, and also, I think I remember in one interview that we did in, in December, uh, they asking the same question. Con alma in itself is a very feminine, energetic theme. Being con alma, a creative idea, right? Con alma is everything. Con alma is the source of things, is the anima mundi, is the source of, of all creation, of all where everything starts and where everything ends. And so to me, that's, that's an active, proactive energy, very feminine in that sense. But I have to say, I mean, we without going into that direction fully, but I have to say that part of, of, of being activist of, of gender equality, to me at least, has to do in a lot in how to to not repeat whatever whatever thing whatever has been happening throughout centuries, you know, which is non-inclusive. So I guess at this point, and I think in Konalma it's reflected, the key question is how can we translate the message the clearer possible way and regardless who is performing in it. So you just invite the most beautiful artists possible, <laughs> you know, <laughs> regardless if they're men or women. In that sense, I mean, there is no art or true, true art uh, without uh, a seed of activism in that sense. You know, you just want to reflect the, the, the full expression or the true, true expression without beyond borders in that sense. <laughs> there is another thing I wanted to ask before we finish this interview. There is this neologism that I love, which is the word Latin Americanity. And uh, <laughs> yeah, actually was was coined by another artist. And it's not my my creation, but I I grab it and uh, and uh, this uh, I can feel. A Latin Americanity uh, flavor or Latin American flavor on your on your work, uh, like some waters are there in the work that gives me that flavor. Not only because there is cucurucu paloma, is there is some other water, uh, Latin American water there, Mexican water there. That's why I like this word Latin Americanity because not only about the South American Central, maybe it's all uh, beyond borders. <laughs> Is there something in your project that you can highlight more like that uh, that Latin American soul is there? Tiene un alma latinoamericana ese trabajo también. I mean, I think the soul itself it's it has no no uh, nationality. 
or region, or it doesn't belong to anyone. And, and that's why mm -hmm. I love the name Conalma. And that's why, I mean, the sound of Conalma in Spanish with soul, it's beautiful and, mm -hmm. and universality of it. It's, it's what I really love about the word and mm -hmm. the meaning of the word. But I, I do agree that, I mean, there is no way to be that it, this could be different because I'm Latin American. You know, I, although I've been living in the States for, you know, between New York and other states before, almost 20 years of my life, and I'm an American Mexican citizen. My, I'm Mexican. I, I was born in Mexico. And, and, and this pandemic, I've been uh, spending my time in, in the heart of the Bajio Mexicano, you know, in, in, in the Bajio region, among the countryside and the, you know, the birds and the cactus and like a very Mexican. It definitely reflects, I mean, somehow this spirit of being Latin American. But also, I mean, and it doesn't matter if I sing, you know, like wordless, like in Conalma, more like a vocalist, or if I sing in Spanish, or I think it, it's just natural the way I sing, the way the way I write. And also for me, I mean, it was important to write in Spanish because that's this ex particular experience, the pandemic. I've been in Mexico and, you know, like re-encountering or, uh, yeah, myself with Mexico after so many years. And I mean, Paula will, will answer her part, but I think that one of the interesting things about this project uh, was to, I mean, I know Paula for 15 years or more, and I always knew that she liked, you know, like that she had something with Mexico, but through <laughs> the, pr the music, through the process, I understood that part better and in a deeper level and in that sense she's very Mexican you know and, and I think you can also hear that depth that part of being Mexican and the depth and the ancient spirit of it through her pieces you know like constant obstinato things mm. are so like it's it's like Pedro Paramo all the way, you know? <laughs> well, so to answer that, you know, I, I immigrated from Italy when I was very young to the Mexican border, um, to Nogales, um, Arizona, which is, of course, Nogales has both sides. In one of the pieces, the Tree of Forty Fruit, um, you know, the sounds of isolation campaign are threaded in. And in one of them is the, the one of the women um, who helped raise me, um, who's across the border and, of course, can't cross because the border is closed. So, you know, I think for me, this was such an extraordinary opportunity because at the beginning of the pandemic I was back at the border to be able to you know to collaborate with Magos and and to see music through her voice you know which I think changes the way I compose and then of course she added a collaborative layer uh, which makes the pieces completely unique so it's just it was an extraordinary experience and you know I, I don't know what my music sounds like again I mean I wish I had that musicological capacity to analyze my music but I don't and so I just think music is a cumulative you know sonic portraiture and so it doesn't surprise me that there's a you know Latin Americanity mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Me> sorprende me <laughs> <Te> sorprende <laughs> mm -hmm. Nada. Para finalizar nuestra entrevista, quisiera preguntarles si ustedes tuvieran que elegir dos o tres canciones, segmentos de este álbum para abrir la curiosidad de, del oyente. ¿Qué canciones o qué segmentos les harían escuchar? This is like doing a trailer, you know? And when you're doing a trailer, you're not going to show the whole thing. So, what good Like, don't make me choose. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. Well, I think Mago should choose two, and I'll choose okay. two, and then we'll let you choose because it's too hard. Um, I have 
my favorites that Mago sings in, but I'm going to let her choose hers. I, go ahead, Mago. So you go first. You go Should first. I choose mine or you from choose whatever out? you want. Let's say we Actually, are let's we see. are choosing <laughs> something like if it were a trailer on which we want to highlight some parts of this project without showing the whole project, but oh showing God. some parts to trigger the curiosity of our listeners. I have a yeah. few favorites. I my when Magos um, played me La Creación de las Aves, I just there was something about that piece, about its um I don't know about her voice in it, about the hope in it, about the idea of rebirth that just got me. Um, I loved her in that, and I also love her improvisations in my piece Fratres. I think that's one of those moments that when I first, you know, when it all came together, it was just like, oh my god, like this is what this this is something that's solely ours, like hers and mine. Nobody else could do this. But then I have other favorites. I don't know. Maybe, maybe those are my two, so you can choose two as well. So you one of yours and one of mine. <laughs> well, I definitely, I love Fratres for that very same reason and for, for the story behind it. You know, Maria Magdal Magdalena uh, in La yeah. Mesa, the Doce Apostoles, talking about activism and gender equality. I think it, yeah. that's more eloquent than anything. And the piece is just amazing. Um, and I had a lot of fun singing in it. I love all the album. <laughs> but uh, if I had to, I mean, La Cristina de las Aves is beautiful, but I also I also love Rojo Sol because that was actually the first uh, piece that I wrote in isolation for the project. So it's very, very raw. Like this, it's very like, this is what I'm feeling. I'm yeah. missing everyone. And there is a visual story behind it in a beautiful landscape here in Mexico in, a, in an abandoned mine. Um, the video clip, the visuals are very powerful. So I think Rojo Sol and fratres. So you choose, Christine. Well, I actually, I, I already aired some of your songs, but now that I went through the whole thing without stopping anything, just listening one after the other, I choose Thrush song. Uh, oh. It was like... Uh, it, it, it. We love that one too. <laughs> we love that one too. It, actually, it triggered my curiosity, so... Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I loved it. So that's um, that's my... That's, you know, something Magos really decided, because I, I wanted to hear her singing in it, and she said, no, this has to have narration. And, and so many people have said to me, I never hear narration with choir like that and so i think it was a really interesting choice magos because a lot of people have responded to that specific you know use of the voice oh I'm yeah. to, the girls vocals are so pure and so crystal you know yes. like I, I i wanted to be like very careful and how to and just leave them to do their thing and it's it's to me that's the the piece of the album that it's about hope it's hope yeah. it's the yeah. future it's the new energy it's the... and think though that that piece was recorded in in april you know, so right. it was very much very beginning of April. So they were very much at the beginning of the pandemic and they were all trapped. They were just beginning to use to mm -hmm. learn to use their technology. It was it was really an intense experience, but it's a beautiful artifact of our time that time. I really want to thank you both for for uh, uh, your interview. And um, I look forward to probably sometime to have you in New Mexico oh, and uh, so. performing here <laughs> and, um, and bringing your work. Just to say something, Alma is also a word, is Italian, and we know this word. Uh, my grandma's mother was Alma. And oh, Alma Mahler. I mean, so, it's a, yes, it's, it's, oh. it's a very feminine name. Yes. So. <laughs> 
thank you so much to you both and uh look forward to see more works from these uh these times and i really congratulate you for all the courage that you had to do this work beyond boundaries thank you christina we're so happy to be here and uh hope to see you in new mexico likewise thank you thank so you much thank you so much christina for listening con alma <laughs> gracias adios